Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church. This week's message comes from our hashtag relationship goals series. Relationships drive our lives. Every relationship we have is an opportunity to become the person God wants us to be. Throughout this series, we will explore the relationship goals that God wants us to have throughout our friendships, dating relationships, and marriages. Now let's get ready to hear a word from God today. How is everybody? Good. Hey, I want to welcome you here today. I want to welcome both of our campuses right now. Uh, We're live here at noon and we're live at our LaGrange campus. Let's give each other a big round of applause this morning. So, so glad on this, uh, this awesome, awesome April Sunday that you're here with us. So we've been in this series called Hashtag Relationship Goals. And uh, last couple of weeks, it's been really amazing. In fact, what we're going to do today is we're going to answer some of the questions that you guys have asked over the last couple of weeks. But today, I have a very special guest with me today. This is my wife, Tracy. Y'all say hello to Tracy. People always say they love it when she's up here. She does an amazing job. I just think you're so amazingly beautiful. Like people just want to stare at you because I know I do. So um, anyway, we've been married for 25 years in 10 days. In 10 days, we're going to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. We've been dating. We've been dating for 27 years. And so we thought that today we would bring you a picture of from our wedding so you could see what it looked like back in the day. Oh yeah. Tell them what you made me do before the wedding. I asked him to cut his mullet four inches. So believe it or not, that's short hair. That is four inch less mullet. Okay. That means four inch less party in the back business in the front. But I was looking at this photo the other day and I looked at Tracy. I said, Tracy, I noticed that your hair is as big as your sleeves. Some things never change. Some things never change. That is some big hair. hair. That's awesome hair. I still love your big hair. It's amazing. So during the series, what has been one of the things that you think um, has been awesome about doing this series? Well, other than sharing our goofy photos and stories, um, I really have been challenged to look at every single relationship and ask myself, am I really experiencing what God has for me through those relationships? Absolutely. Like every relationship, friendships, dating, marriage, we've kind of hit all of those areas. So if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we want to kind of recap you a little bit. Week one, we talked about the idea that we have to, we have, to have goals, right? We called it got goals. And every relationship in life needs to have goals. In fact, our relationship goals hinge on our goals for our lives. And so it's very important that we have relationship goals. If we're going to do that, we have to identify the status of the current relationships we're in. Yeah, like every relationship is either just drifting, like we're kind of unattending to that relationship, which can be dangerous, or it's draining, like sometimes we're in a relationship, a friendship, a dating, and it drains us. And then we talked about the scariness of being in relationships that drown us. Like we know we shouldn't go there in that relationship, but we do that and it ends up costing us in our life. And then we talked about the way our relationships should be, that God wants our relationships to be directed. Like God wants to have purpose, like our relationships are going somewhere. And if we're going to do that, that was goal number one. We have to be willing to unselfie ourselves and to take the focus off of me and to put it on others. Yeah, we actually said it this way. We said the greatest threat to we will always be me. The greatest threat to our relationships and being in relationship will always be the desire to always want to put it back on ourselves. 
And then week two was one of my favorite topics because I love dating. Like you said, we've been dating 27 years. So um, you told us a few things about what we should do when we date. Yeah, I gave us a definition. And I basically said, here's the definition we have for dating. It's the practice of seeing from a distance what someone is really like in order to discover if they are right for marriage. So we've been practicing for 27 years. How am I doing? You're awesome. Practice. We're talking about practice. Okay, so I'd go Alan Iverson on you there real quick. Um, we said this, three things about dating. Don't confuse dating with mating, right? Because sometimes in our world, when people say, oh, we're dating, what they think is, oh, we're mating. No, 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 those are two different things. Mating is not dating and dating is not mating. And we said that when it comes to sex before marriage, the answer is wait. And all we think the answer is, is no, right? Because we know like tomorrow Chick-fil-A will be open, Right. <laughs> Only you could, you know. Only I could tie those two together. That's That's right. right. (laughs) But the second thing is that we said you have to date someone going in the same direction you are. Otherwise, you'll have bad yoking and then... Leads to choking. That's right. Bad yoking leads to choking. And some of you go, I have so used that. In fact, I thought someone the other day was going to make a t-shirt that said that. And then the third thing we said is this, focus on character above compatibility. Because in our world, we think, oh, I can be in great relationship with someone if we have great compatibility. But character is what matters. Because when you get married, that character will be exposed in that relationship. In fact, marriage will accentuate the character in a relationship. It won't make it better. So what was the goal we talked about? Well, when it comes to dating, whether you're single or married, you have to focus on becoming the right person, not looking for the right person. Yeah, we can spend our whole lives trying to find someone that's right. And the truth is we need to become the right person. We said it this way, are we dateable? Are we marryable? And so in the last week's message, what did we talk about? Myths. Myths. Whether you're single or married. Yeah. So there's these relationship myths that if you're single or married, sometimes the world wants us to believe these myths are true. And the biggest one is this, is that if I change my status, it will change my relationships, going from married to single or from single to married. And so we said it this way, changing my relationship status won't fix my relationship issues. That who I am single will be accentuated when I'm married, and who I am married will be accentuated if I become single again. And the truth is that our current status for relationships is a gift. That's true. I'm a gift. She's been receiving the gift now for 25 years. And I'm glad. You pray for her. Pray for her as you think about her, okay? But here's what we said. God gives us grace that matches the gift. And that grace is not just about forgiveness. It's about God's empowerment. That if you're single, God gives you grace. He gives you the charisma that it goes along with that gift. So we shouldn't struggle with our status that we have in life. So today we're going to have a panel and we've invited some very, very special people to join us. We hope that even some of these people you've never met before, because sometimes it's just really good to hear from different voices. So I want to take just a moment to introduce them. The first one is a girl. She's age 29. She's single and she is a professional artist, uh, does a lot of painting. Some of you have seen some of her paintings. She's actually painted for us here at Southcrest. And the cool thing about her, because it's kind of a funny fact about every person that's here today, she can actually open a door with her toes. That is pretty cool. So y'all welcome to the stage, Margalina Lapore. That's talent. She has lots of talent. That's very talented. All right, the next one. He's a guy, he's single, he's 30 years of age. He is a professional chef here locally. And uh, he, the funny thing about him is um, sometimes he confessed this to us. He likes to move the furniture out of his living room and when no one's looking, dance like Michael Jackson. 
So y'all welcome to the stage, Collins Woods. I really want to see him do Thriller. You see him do the moonwalk. I just saw that. Awesome. That was legit. I've always wanted to do the moonwalk. Never, never happened for me. All right. Next couple, this is a married couple. They've been married for 10 years. They have three beautiful children. He is actually a Chick-fil-A operator in the city of LaGrange, and he attends our LaGrange campus. And so those from LaGrange, you know this family. Funny story about them. The first time he asked her out on a date, the first date, he took a gift card he had bought from another, bought for another girl that he was going to take out and he broke up with, and he used it to pay for their date. So you welcome to the stage, Josh and Mandy Sells. And she still went out with him. That's love, man. That's love, all right? The next one, uh, our couple, they're a married couple. They've been married for 10 years. And uh, they are, they've got two children. And they just found out here recently that they're expecting their third. And it's a little girl. And so uh, he is our technical director here at Southcrest Church, serves on our creative arts team, and she actually runs our Southcrest Cafe here at the Noonan campus. Cool story about them. One time he asked her on a date and he didn't tell her where they were going. And he said, hey, I want to take you on a really, really, really special date. He showed up, picked her up, took her to the set of The Walking Dead, and they were zombies, walkers on The Walking Dead. And here's a photo. Welcome to the stage, Ben and Amy Hosey. That's romance. That is romantic. I do have a question, though. Was this before the date or after the date? Because Before. Before. Okay. So that's good. So we're excited that they're here today. So what we've done over the last couple of weeks is we've been asking you questions about relationships, and we want to take a few moments to answer some of these questions. So we're going to jump right in. Look at our first question real quick. How do you fight the comparison game in marriage or in dating? So Josh or Mandy, I'm going to let you guys start first on that one. Okay, so we have a lot of friends who are successfully married, successfully dating, and so we have a lot of exposure. Um, But we have found that if their example is not going to add any value to our marriage, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not even going to expose Josh to it because what will it do to benefit our marriage? However, flip-flop it. If I see something in another marriage that I feel like will add value to our relationship, then we're totally going to talk about it. But most of the time, we don't have a comparison problem because he doesn't even know about it. Yeah. So he's kind of uncomparable. Like, you can't compare him to anybody. He's way up here compared to everybody else. That's awesome. I mean, the gift card says it all, right? It does. It totally does. Margalina, how about in dating? Because a lot of times people compare their dating relationships or they compare people they're dating. How do you fight that comparison game in dating? Right. So um, I think we all have faced this and we all deal with this to some degree or another. But um, people let you see what they want you to believe. So it's not always greener on the other side. And I think for me, I've just learned that like you got to control those thoughts, like start taking control actively. Like I'm not going to go there. I'm going to focus on what's good in my relationship. That's a that's a great word there. Great word. Let's look at our second question real quick. In dating, how do you know when it's real versus just what you desperately want? Like, how do you know the relationship is a real right relationship versus something that you just want to project that you just desperately want? So, uh, Collins, uh, how would you answer that? So, in this area, I've been challenged by some mentors before with this question. Um, Does the desire for the relationship or the idea of marriage uh, overpower your desire for Christ, or does it fuel it? And so I think how you answer that question is an indicator of, of where you're at. But it's, it's very difficult, and I've struggled with this in the past. Uh, part of my testimony is I was engaged three years ago. And so at the time, I wasn't able to see it was right. But God used the people in my life 
to speak truth into my relationship and show me like, look, hey, I know you're going down this direction, but this isn't right. So uh, if you can't honestly assess yourself, then allow your loved ones into your life to speak truth into your relationships. That's huge. Allowing people to speak truth into every relationship, right? How about you, Tracy? How would you answer that? Well, I think it's important to acknowledge that what I feel is real. It is real. And I need to know that God's word can help me discern my desires. Is it dragging me away from God or is it drawing me to God? But the real question is, what do I do once I know? Absolutely. Do you listen to that counsel? Sometimes we're in relationships and we know they're wrong, but it's like, oh, I want this to be real. And so we struggle with that. Let's look at our next question. What is your advice on keeping the romance alive in marriage? Ben or Amy, how would you guys answer that? I would say um, go on dates. Never stop dating your spouse. Um, For us, we still love going on dates even after 10 years of marriage. Um, But also, I would say to be intentional and to go out of your way um, to do sweet things for your spouse whether it's, you know, cooking your man his, uh, his favorite dinner after a long, hard day, or if, you know, <laughs> you know, your, you know your, your wife yeah. is stressed out, um, bring her home flowers or her favorite candy. Um, I think it's just important to be intentional with loving your spouse well and also learn to speak their love language. So be intentional. It can't just be passive. It's something you got to prepare to do. Josh or Mandy, how would you answer that question? So for me, it's the biggest thing you have to understand is that uh, we are constantly growing, developing, changing, and you have to appreciate that about your spouse. You have to understand they're not the same person that they were when you started dating them, when you married them. They're not even the same person they were one year ago. Um, So I think it's important that we become students of our spouse and appreciate who they're becoming and not mourn who they're not anymore. Um, and learn new ways to love and serve them in a way that's meaningful to them. That's amazing. Be a student of your spouse. So Tracy's been studying me for 25 years. And, um, I like to study. What can I do? You like to study. She was a 4.0 student in college, so what can I say? You know, she loves to study. Next question. In marriage, how do you get over when your spouse hurts you And is it normal to have lots of fights? How do you get over it? Because we're going to hurt each other in relationships, specifically marriage. Remember what we said last week? Marriage is the most intense human relationship we ever enter into. And is it normal to have lots of fights? Tracy, what would you say to that? Well, I have lots of feelings. And I get my feelings hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, And if you're one of those couples that doesn't fight often, I'm happy for you. But... um, We um, have a few fights, and it's not really as important how many fights you have as how quickly you move through the process to forgiveness. And I put myself in the blank. If Sean doesn't listen to me, then I say, well, do I listen to Jesus? The answer is no, I'm guilty, and I have to apply the same principle. I forgive Sean as Christ forgave me. Yeah, sometimes I think people can avoid conflict so much that their relationship never becomes healthy. And so it's not do we have lots of fights, but how do we come to an agreement through those fights? Um, you know, Tracy and I, yet some of y'all think when we fight like we quote scripture to each other, you know, God so loved the world, okay? <laughs> we don't do that. Like it's real, okay? So the truth is, the truth is it's not about how many fights you have. 
It's about how you learn to find agreement through those fights and you learn to practice forgiveness, right? Because forgive, forgiveness is an F word. People don't realize that. It's one of those F words like family, forgiveness. Favorites. It's right there. Okay. So <laughs> Ben and Amy, how would you guys answer that question? Um, we probably both have a little insight on this. Um, we actually don't fight that much. Um, but early on in marriage, we had to learn how to fight. Um, mostly because I, I'm the type of person I like to get to the, to the root of the issue and I want to solve it right then. Uh, she needs a little time to process. And so uh, early on when we're fighting, we would fight about the issue and then we would fight about how we're fighting. And, and so it would kind of, <laughs> it would escalate pretty quickly. Um, but what we found out is that, you know, it's not about winning the fight because winning is not great. But what's great is getting through that, getting back on the same page. Um, so it's not about winning the fight. It's about uh, agreeing. And I would also say just never hide how you're feeling from your spouse, um, especially during a fight. Just always be up front with them. Um, and then also just... Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Um, but always be up front with them. And then also always forgive them. Um, I feel like, you know, God is always so good to forgive us and extend grace to us and that we should be the same with our spouse. That's good. Let's look at this next question. As someone who is single, what can I do to prepare myself while waiting to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Margalina, how would you answer that question? So I definitely think to be really cliche, but it's true to be in the word and be seeking after Jesus with your whole heart. Like that's definitely number one on it. But also I love my married friends and I love my single friends, but I learned so much from my married friends because most of them are married by this point (laughs) that I'm almost learning how to date because I'm watching their marriages. So that's fun for me. That's good. Collins, how about you? Uh, So there are two classic Bible stories, both found in Genesis, that I find a lot of encouragement from a preparation standpoint, Uh, Adam and Eve and Isaac and Rebecca. So um, right before Rebecca was brought to Isaac, it said he was in a field meditating. And so what I see is a man who is devoted to building his relationship with the Lord before he meets his wife. And Adam and Eve, um, before Eve was brought to Adam, it said that he was in the garden tending and working the field. And so he wasn't sitting on a stump saying, what was me? Where's my wife? He was working. He was doing what the Lord had prepared him to do. And so I think that God has given each of us things to steward in our life in every season. But when you're single, um, to learn to steward those things well, like job and finances outside of marriage. So when you get in marriage, you can steward those things well as well. Yeah, preparation's key. I think that's a, a big, big part. Let's look at this next question. We had a lot of people write in about this question, so I know it's very popular. What should you do if your spouse is a believer but not on the same page as you spiritually? What should you do? So I think we both have a little bit to say. Um, So fortunately in our house, this guy's a Bible scholar. I'm very, very lucky to have that. Um, I look to him for a lot of leadership and guidance and knowledge. And um, so when I have a question, I kind of expect him to know the answer. And thankfully, most of the time he does. Um, And when we have a differing opinion, we can discuss it and then come to a consensus about it. Um, But I do depend on him a lot because I feel like I'm not on the same page as him. Um, But thankfully, he can lift me up to make me feel like I'm not, you know, lesser than. Yeah, so, um, you know, my understanding of it is that we're all in the same boat, and uh, we're all sinful, 
And the fact that I have formal training in the Bible doesn't make me any better than anyone else. Um, and so trying to not even be cognizant of or think about whether I'm further along than anyone else, but um, rather just try to encourage people and hopefully maybe some of the training that I've had and some of the things that I know can be uplifting for someone and can help. And I try to apply that in, you know, with my kids and with her as well as just, you know, we're all messed up. And so, yeah, the truth is, yeah, that's true. Can I get an amen from all the husbands in here? <laughs> some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. The truth is even in friendships and in business relationships, you're going to be on different pages with people. And so what Josh said that I appreciated is we, we help people along spiritually when we use our influence that we become the difference and we show them the difference versus trying to say, well, you just need to change and become like me. You know, we need to become influential. So let's look at this next question. This is a good question. How do you fight loneliness as a single person? Margalina, what, how, what would you say to that? So this is totally a subject like near and dear to me. I feel like this has been a discussion among friends and among groups recently. Um, I just... So a few years ago, I was definitely that desperate single person, and, and loneliness was very strong, and it, it was all I could focus on. It was all I could see, and um, I had a friend speak over my life that was really speaking about her life, but it translated into mine heavily, and I just, I don't know, God just really like did a work in my heart and revealed that what you focus on is what you're going to see, and so I wanted so much to be married, and I wanted so much for that family and that that house and everything that goes along with it, that that was all I was seeing around me. But the change of heart became when it was like, focus on Jesus because everything is for God's glory anyways. So if I'm not, I just need to, I just need to change my focus was really what it came down to. And I began to see a lot of people doing the same thing after that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you focus on the loneliness, you're going to feel the loneliness a lot more. Um, We talked about that a lot during the series a little bit last week in relationship myths. Let's look at the next question. Why do you think marriages fail so easily and people are not willing to fight for their marriage? Tracy, what would you say to that? Well, I really can't emphasize enough in dating how important it is to choose the right person and use God's standard, not your own. Once we're married, I think we all get tired of fighting and feeling like a failure But we kind of stop being that right person, and we start keeping records of what my rights are and what I have a right to do, and then I keep a list of your wrongs, and I sort of um, write you off and give myself a pass, and that's not really what God says. Yeah, the truth is we have to continue to become the right person even after we're married. And so the idea that it stops when I finally get to the right status is not true. You have to continually, continually, continually. So the thing I always tell people is this. Typically, people give up on a marriage because in the beginning or somewhere along the way, they allowed themselves to say, I can choose in this. And the truth is, marriage is a covenant. Like, it's one of those relationship decisions you get into that when you cut covenant with someone, it's for a lifetime. It's for a lifetime. What would you guys say, Ben or Amy? You know, I don't, I don't think anyone goes into marriage saying that um, or thinking that this is probably going to end tragically, but let's just do it anyway. Um, we all have this hope that we're just going to make it. Um, but I think you have to go a step beyond that and plan against divorce. Um, Amy and I, we, when we went into marriage, we said that, you know, divorce is just not an option. We won't allow it to even be part of our vocabulary. 
Um, and, you know, in practice in our marriage, we believe that only a God-centered, strong marriage can survive the things that would tear most marriages Absolutely. apart. Um, so we commit to each other and to God daily to spend time in the Word looking for wisdom. You know, God, what can you give me today that can, that can help strengthen our marriage and spend time in prayer so that when those things happen, we can make it through. Um, so that, that personal time getting close to God and hopefully he will mold me and make me into what she needs and vice versa. That's good. Very, very good. Let's look at our next question here. How do you balance your time with your family, work, and your spouse? I call this the balance question because all of us want to know, like we are so busy and we're in so many relationships that are important to us. How do you balance all that? Josh or Mandy, what would you say? So I think the first thing you have to accept is the fact that balance is a myth and it's impossible to achieve. So, I mean, if you're sleeping six to eight hours a night, you're working eight to ten hours a day, uh, you have commutes, you have time to get ready, you have eating time, there's just no way in the world, if you do the math, that you're going to be able to balance everything. Um, so you kind of have to take an, an approach of quality over quantity in this mm. sake and just uh, be very intentional with the small amount of time that you have for those other things. So, you know, some of the things that we try to do in our life um, is make time for technology-free, put the, put the devices away, uh, just spend time with our family, read together, do activities together, those kind of things. And then Mandy and I understand that uh, once the children go to bed, that's our time. I mean, that's, that's what we get because anything else is going to be interrupted yeah. by so many other demands. And so we try to spend that time or that like last night, we were able to get the kids out of the house and actually go on a date night and <laughs> spend time. And so, but just accepting that balance is, is a pursuit that you're never going to achieve, um, that's, that's the biggest piece. Yeah, because it's a tension to manage, not a problem to solve, right? It's time is one of those things that's always happening. It's always changing. And so a lot of people, if I just had balance, the truth is you're going to have to manage the tension, of time that you have with your family. So um, let's look at this question here. This next one's very interesting. Whether you're dating, married, or remarried, how do you make sure that you don't repeat the same mistakes from your past? How do you make sure? Because many of us in this room, we're, we're in new relationships or we're remarried. Like we, we, we had a series of our life where we maybe went through a bad divorce. So how do you make sure you don't make the same mistakes from your past? Tracy? Usually in a relationship, there's one person that struggles to admit that they make mistakes. That's me. I don't make mistakes. Never. Never, no. I really do have to admit that I do make them, and then I have to own them. And then I really do have to listen to Sean and hear what he's telling me about my habits. And then I have to be willing to change myself out of love and practice it every day so that I don't make mistakes. Yeah, a lot of times we think that when you get into marriage, that somehow uh, your bags were checked at the, uh, the altar, and the truth is we bring a lot of bags into marriage, and so we have to daily leave the bags back at the altar, because things that are in our past are in our past, and so here's what we always say to people, if you don't learn to operate in forgiveness personally, it will affect your marriage profoundly. It will always affect your marriage, and so the hardest person to forgive is who? Me, myself. And so in relationships, that is so crucial. You've got to walk in forgiveness so that when you're in marriage, you can live in marriage forgiveness. Uh, ben, what would you say to that? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think accountability is a, is a huge way to have uh, to not repeat the same mistakes. Um, you don't realize that your spouse is one of your biggest accountability partners. Like they will point out things, and you're like, "Oh man, I wish you didn't see that." Um, but you know, if you struggle in areas, open up to other people who you know can help you out in your marriage. You know, don't try to hide things in secret, but get it out in the open. Put it into the light. Yeah. Let's look at this question here. We're almost done here. We've got a few left. In your opinion, what priorities lead to a successful dating relationship or a successful marriage? Collins, what would you say? Um, so I, I think every relationship has a unique set of circumstances, but I think there are three things um, that kind of lay the foundation for a successful relationship, and that's Jesus first, communication, and purity. And just to expound on each a little bit, um, Jesus first, love the Lord God with all your mind, heart, and soul. So there's a deep longing in our souls that can't be satisfied in any relationship or any other person that can only come from Christ. So that's why we have to seek him first in our relationships. And communication, if we can, um, which I don't always do well at this, but um, if we can learn how to communicate, have a healthy communicative relationship from the beginning, I think it'll help set up success in the future. And purity, and this is something, unfortunately, I think that some, a lot of dating couples in the church struggle with, and it shouldn't be because... Relational intimacy was something that was designed to be enjoyed within the boundaries of marriage. In Song of Psalms, it says three times that do not awaken love before it's time. And so intimacy is like fire. And if you build that fire safely within the proper boundaries, then it can burn beautiful along for beautiful and burn beautifully for a very long time. But if it's not, what happens when you play with fire? You get burned. The person you're dating gets burned and the people around you get burned. Wow. That's profound. That's very wise. Very good wisdom. What about you guys? So in, in our house, um, we are pretty big on servanthood, serving one another, serving our family, serving our guests. So um, we, we definitely make an effort to serve each other and know what each other um, enjoy. Uh, something else that we are very intentional about is the openness that we have. Very early in our relationship, we were very transparent about our fears our history, our mistakes, yep. things that make us vulnerable. And then I, since I know that about Josh, I can be sensitive to that and empathetic with that and, you know, and lift him up as opposed to pushing him down. And then I've already said it, but intentionality, we are very intentional with how we treat one another and how we respect one another in front of our children and in front of our parents. And we just really try to set a good example. So just showing our love for one another so that other people can see Jesus through us. That's good. That's good. So before we close our panel discussion here, as you guys kind of feel led, we'll start with Margalina. What is one relationship truth that you would give to those who are watching or listening to us today? Um, so for singles, man, I'm totally a believer of mentorship. Find, some, find a couple that's married older than you and their relationship just reflects Christ and like just dive into it together or single however you're going to do it be honest with them all the way um I would say to make sure that God is always number one that he's above everything else in your life um that he is your center of your life and your marriage and then I would also say to look at your marriage as a true gift um I think it's such an awesome privilege that God gave us our spouse to walk through life with. Uh, I would say that um, Paul says that life is a vapor. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. And my marriage with Amy is just like a blink of an eye in comparison to eternity. And one day she will face 
our creator. And I want that to be an awesome experience for her. Um, so I have to consider, it's also a very humbling thought, you know, that what can I do or what I do as a husband affects that day. Um, I'm either pushing her towards a deeper relationship with God or I'm pulling her away from that. And so because I want that day, day to be awesome, I'm going to try to encourage her to spend time with God and to grow in that relationship. Um, singles, don't look for the perfect person. Um, focus on Jesus, who is the perfect, perfect person. And as you wait, wait actively and be looking for the mutually flawed person who is also in love with the perfect person, Jesus. So, um, yes, keep the Lord first, but make sure you keep your spouse second. Above your children, above your job, above your church, your spouse is going to be here forever. You're going to raise these children to be responsible adults, and they're going to leave, and he's still going to be here. And you still have to know who he is, so keep him at the top of your list. And then kind of echo something that Ben said earlier. Um, There's fights in every marriage, Um, and so your goal is not to not fight, uh, but learn to fight fair. And it was something we had to learn early on because I always went for the juggler and the arguments and I learned that that didn't get me anywhere. So. That never works out for a guy. just want to say that. Tracy, what do you think? Well, y'all have heard me talk about dessert before. Amen. But your spouse is meant to be enjoyed. So literally or figuratively, there's no such thing as too much dessert. Absolutely. My, my word and truth to you would be this. You prepare every relationship for the two-minute drill. Because we do a lot of things for the temporal But when we're on our dying bed, how do we want our marriage, our friendships, and our relationships to end when there's two minutes left? Who do you want around you? What do you want them to say to you? And what do you want them to remember about who you were? That's very important. Hey, let's give our huge panel a huge round of applause today. Thank them for being with us today. As they make uh, their way off today, I want to talk and kind of try to wrap a bow around the end of our series today. Um, One of the things that I love about this series is it's brought up some deep questions. And whether you realize it or not, um, every relationship question that we've attempted to field, and there was probably 20 or 30 more we didn't even get to today, but every relationship question typically reveals something deeper than the question that's being asked. Like, for instance, you may ask a question about marriage, and it may be more about your thoughts towards marriage than the actual question itself. Or you may be asking a question about dating, like, is she right or is he right? And the question you may be asking is, am I right? Uh, Questions, really, whether you realize it or not, they're often just reflections of our own heart. And so we typically project questions that reflect something that's going inside of us. And uh, what questions we ask about our relationships are actually just deeper reflections of us, and they ultimately are our reflection of our own relationship to God. And so as we think about this series, as we try to wrap it up together, here's what I've learned about relationships. Most relationship problems are not relationship problems. They're God problems. They reflect our own relationship to God and what may be missing there or what is truly there. And so we can answer every single question possible and try to figure out the best solution to how to get your spouse to be this way or how to you know, help you understand this. But ultimately, you have to go back to the question, how is my relationship to God? In fact, 
They can be traced back many times our relationship problems to one person or another person not really understanding who God is or living in a poor relationship with God. So here's what I've realized, especially after this series. We spend a lot of energy and a lot of time in our life trying to do two things. We try to find someone, and we somehow still think there's this magic bullet approach. If I can find the right person, then my life will be fulfilled. Or we try to find someone and then fix them. We try to fix someone. So some of you are in marriages, and you go, oh, I want to fix him, or I want to fix her. And the truth is, spending your life and all of your energy finding someone or trying to fix someone won't fix the greatest relationship issue you have And that's the relationship that you have between you and God. You will end up controlling people or attempting to control people, or you will be controlled by people. And God wants more for that to you. So I was thinking about this this week, and I want you to see this thought real quick. We spend a lot of time staring at each other in relationships and not enough time staring at God. See, this is one of the the greatest relationship challenges we face right here. We spend a lot of time staring at each other. and Even as parents, we stare at our children. and our, We know that our children stare back at us. Can I get an amen? Okay. We spend a lot of time staring at each other in relationships and not enough time really staring at God. So there's this guy named Francis Chan. He wrote this book on marriage. It's a phenomenal book. I encourage you to read it. It's called You and Me Forever. And listen to what he says. He says, if we don't stare at God... We will spend our time staring at lesser things, namely ourselves. Namely ourselves. Think about it. If your constant focus is on your spouse even, as great as your spouse is, it's a lesser thing to who God is. And in time, what happens is a lot of times we end up just focusing on ourselves. We will focus on ourselves and we won't even stare at God. So there's this guy in the Bible. His name's David. We know him. He's a very famous writer. He wrote lot, lots of songs. In fact, the whole book of Psalm is just nothing but him writing these psalms and these songs. And he, we see a lot of David's life in Scripture. But I think one of the most beautiful things we see about David that we need to pay attention to in his relationship goals is his own relationship to God and how he learned to stare at God and how probably... He became such an amazing king because his focus was on staring at God first and then his leadership and his life and his relationships flowed out of what he was so focused on in his life. Look what he says in Psalm 27, 4. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And look what he says, to gaze. That means to stare, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This is what David says to you and I. We need to have a really intense relationship goal when it comes to God. We need to spend more of our time staring at him and see how that might affect every other relationship in our life. David said, there's only one thing I seek. There's only one focus that I have in my life. And, and how that one focus of David's life defined him as a person and how it affected every other relationship in his life. 
Would you pray with me today? Thanks for listening to the Southcrest Church podcast. Don't forget, you can find more sermons on our website at southcrest.church. Visit us today and thanks for listening.